My name is Captain Seth Ravetta, and I am today's host of Thinking Inside the Box, The Gauntlet, the podcast of Operations Group at the National Training Center, Fort Irwin, California. The Gauntlet brings you best practices from the Army's experts in combined arms operations. Today, we will be sharing a podcast made by the Scorpion Team, one of our combined arms battalion trainers, called Left of the Bang, a Scorpion Team Desert Dialogue. This mini-series highlights how to best prepare each warfighting function for some of the challenges of the National Training Center. My name is Major Stephen Piles. I'm currently Scorpion 03. We are really interested in preparing units coming to NTC to make sure to say, hey, what are the key things that we need to know prior to getting on the train or getting on the bus to come up to NTC? As a former Battalion XO, as well as Battalion S3, I wish I had this type of resource uh, when I was coming up through the KD ranks. And we want to make sure that we provide a shared understanding on the, tre- on the trends that we are seeing so that as future rotations come upon here, they can be ready so that we, we can help you as o- OTCs to go beyond the basics. And that's what it's about, because a lot of things here, we're talking about mastering the fundamentals, but we are really trying to get beyond the basics. So we can master the basics and what you can master here and master at your home station. That is the purpose of these podcasts, which we'll have a series of podcasts. So today we're going to focus on the battle staff perspective, which is the main command post. And in attendance today I have with me, I have two esteemed colleagues of mine. I have Scorpion 30, who I will call Scorpion 30, named Captain Seth Rivetta. And I also have uh, my counterpart, Scorpion 3A, known as Captain Tanner Dieppa. So right now we're going to take a moment to introduce these two esteemed colleagues of the Scorpion team um, so that you understand who they are. So starting with Captain Rivetta, would you please uh, tell the audience uh, who you are, how many rotations you have, and anything particularly you would like to share for your introduction. All right, sir. Uh, Captain Seth Rivetta, Scorpion 30. Uh, I've been on the team for a little over a year and a half. I have 14 rotations under my belt. Uh, and I, I've seen uh, a plethora of, of things from ABCTs, SBTTs, and IBCTs. Uh, so I, I have a lot of lessons learned as far as uh, the command and control uh, warfighting function as a whole and the uh, main command post lessons learned. And I'm Captain Tanner Dieppa, Scorpion 3A, the Task Force AS3 trainer. I'm an armor officer by trade, and I've completed 16 rotations with 10 of them in my current position as 3A. Okay, outstanding. Thank you, gentlemen, for attendance today here. As we hope that the audience will capture many lessons learned from your various rotations. So we'll go ahead and jump right into it, gentlemen. Um, so starting with you, Captain Rivetta, Scorpion 30, uh, what trends are you seeing from the command and control perspective of the main command post? All right, sir. Well, uh, there, there's four major trends that I tend to see uh, based off of the rotations here. Uh, the first and the biggest one is that units have not validated all of their systems uh, prior to arrival at Fort Irwin. Uh, so that's all their systems as far as their uh, signal, their mission command systems, and their, uh, their systems that are within the main. Uh, so those uh, procedural systems. Uh, number two is the, the staff has not rehearsed uh, how to uh, battle track within the main. Uh, and that goes back to that first one, uh, the procedural uh, systems within the main. Uh, next is uh, the main command post has not rehearsed jumping or how to prepare for those jumps. Uh, and, and that really uh, ends up diminishing the amount of time that the uh, staff is able to synchronize all of that information coming in. 
Uh, and then finally, uh, and this one is very near and dear to my heart, the S6 is not involved in planning whatsoever, uh, which causes a lot of friction throughout the rotation. Okay, you brought up a lot of great topics there. And before we dive deeper into those four, I would like to hear from uh, Captain Dieppa real fast on the trends that he has seen. Yeah, absolutely, sir. Uh, one of the things that we've seen consistently is the impacts of those four trends that 30 just outlined is a severe limitation of the battalion's ability to follow the one-thirds, two-thirds rule and to get actionable plans down to maneuver elements at the company level and the trickle-down effect that that has on their ability to prepare for combat operations. Okay, perfect. Uh, so, 30, going back to, and I'm going to talk about the one-third, two-thirds rule, but I'm very interested. You brought up procedural systems. Simple things like your your battle drills that you should find in your uh, your unit SOP, your tax ops. Uh, the, those are probably the biggest things that need to be rehearsed prior to your arrival at NTC. Uh, and, and we see these units arriving with fantastic tax ops, but they clearly have not been dusted off in the past two years, uh, and they have not rehearsed those those procedural systems. Uh, so, so that's kind of what I'm talking about, sir. Interesting perspective. I remember my time as a battalion S3, um, and my battalion commander should tell me all the time, hey, these these SOPs, these tax ops, this, these peace ops, they have been in place for years. Um, either it's copy-paste or someone put a lot of time and effort into it. And the biggest thing that I have learned um, and I want to share with the future field or the field grades that are coming here is that, hey, that before you come from home station to here, d- dust those off, just like what you said, and literally see if those things are, if those SOPs are still valid for the way your battalion commander operates, um, the way how the battalion operates, um, and you can use those in many different training events, such as gunnery operations for an ABCT. That, that, that's a big thing for us. Get the entire command post out there and leverage everything to really validate, okay, is this setup really helpful for battalion commander to make informed decisions? So really you bring up a good point there. Um, and we'll get to MCP jumps here in a moment because that's something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, Tanner, do you have any thoughts on uh, what I just talked about there, about maximizing home station mission command systems, and testing all those SOPs. Specifically from TC6-0.2, training the mission command warfighting function for battalions and brigades. What we're seeing a lot of is there's a outline of tables, um, one through six, four of which can be conducted at home station. And this is a clear gap that units are not completing before they come to the NTC. So what we're finding is that they're essentially going through these six tables at the NTC, which is a distraction from the current fight and their ability to um, conduct mission command uh, at the battalion level. Okay, perfect. Uh, Thank you very much for that. So the biggest thing that I know that comes to my mind, and I may go a little bit off of what we're talking about here, is that that ability of the upper TI, right? And the upper TI and how it impacts not only the battalion commander and as well as the staff to help the commander make those informed decisions, but also it feeds down to the one-third, two-thirds rule about how we can get company commanders enough time to, hey, this is the information that we have. So what I'm going back to you is from from that main CP and command and control perspective, and as well as S6, um, have you seen the upper TI piece help or hinder units as they come here from uh, to NTC, excuse me? Uh, sir, so brigades that come here that are, are very proficient with utilizing their upper TI systems uh, from top to the battalions, 
uh, are absolutely in a better position to perform all of the uh, the MCP functions. Specifically from the intelligence warfighting function, we see that the S2 is able to leverage all of the products that are coming from the Brigade Bice uh, using the Brigade Portal, Brigade File Share. Uh, they are able to have those transverse chats or wave if that's what the Brigade is currently using. Uh, so they're able to synchronize across that warfighting function just as an example. Uh, the Brigade 3 is able to push information down uh, hanging their orders and, and the battalions are able to receive those in a much faster fashion if they utilize upper TI versus trying to rely on orders coming across JBCP, which we've seen, uh, happen quite a lot here recently. Okay, perfect. Um, and so when we're moving on to that, how, so Tanner, from your perspective, then these trends that we're talking about, um, how have they impacted a battalion, um, to execute the orders process? So what we're seeing, sir, is uh, companies not being able to LD with something as simple as a understanding of the probable line of contact um, or even direct fire control measures, ops graphics um, outside of what they received from um, brigade. Um, so what that's doing is it's not giving company commanders and platoon leaders, platoon sergeants, um, the ability to operate within the commander's intent because they, they're they LDing with a plan that hasn't been fully absorbed by them because it's an incomplete plan. I agree. Um, and one of the things that really can help with that is, is the battalion conducting um, parallel planning with brigade, um, leveraging their LNO, um, and basically getting ahead of the brigade's MDMP cycle to help them stay in, in better conjunction or better um, agreeance with the one-thirds, two-thirds rule. Yeah, exactly. And then as, and as a former S3 slash XO, you bring up many great, many great battle scars for me in reference to as I'm looking at my main command post, how can I make this thing effective? And you bring up the good point about the LNO and how the LNO is how do I outfit my LNO to ensure that I'm getting what I need from brigade because I may be 60K or whatever number K away, kilometers away from brigade. And it's like, hey, I'm able to help my battalion commander visualize and give his vision back to brigade and say, look, this is how he sees the mission. This is because this is what he's getting from his battalion commanders, et cetera, leveraging upper TI and everything in that issue. And how do I outfit all of that in order to ensure that the plan is joined up together? Because one thing we have seen, or at least the trend I've seen from the field grade perspective, is that to do the 100% plan that is that what we are taught in CGSC and all of our PMEs um, is not necessarily, uh, I wouldn't say that it can be done, but I can just say here, time is the biggest enemy here. So that whole 80%, 20%, you know, if I get 80% of the plan out to where I have the timeline, task and purpose, um, all these things, like I have everything set up to where I have enablers to support the the actual maneuver. If I take a look at that, what is I'm trying to achieve from a successful perspective? I can give that back to I can give that to my commander, who can give that back to brigade and say, look, this is what we need to give to the companies as soon as we can, because they have their own TOPs to do, right? And so 
the main command post has a big role in that because you have to be in constant communication with brigade. You should never, you should, you, you should fight to never be in the dark when it comes to your planning processes with brigade. And so that is why I, I, I tie it back to asking about how the upper TI helps in that effort because each staff function, instead of waiting on brigade, is that question mark, is that quotations, is that instead of waiting on brigade, this is how I can help my higher echelons because of what we are seeing, because of the analysis of what we are sharing. So that way we can help the commander with his visualization. Can you guys pretty much agree with that assessment? Oh, 100%, sir. Okay, outstanding. Um, so as far as reversing these trends, um, now we're getting into our bread and butter, which is the coaching aspect of it and, uh, you know, observer coaching and teaching, uh, perspective. So, uh, so Scorpion 30 camera, if you mind can tell the audience, like what have some things you have, uh, coached, um, to help reverse some of these trends, which you talked about. Okay, sir. Uh, so one of the big ones that I, I often coach and obviously I have to use zero seven for this one is trying to convince the battalion commander, uh, that they have to at least spend the uh, first little bit of the uh, the rotation in the main so that the staff can understand what he or she expects from that staff. Uh, so we've seen in the past that battalion commanders who spend a little bit of time in the main, uh, the staff fully understands what that commander's intent is uh, and will go ahead and start actioning violently to get the commander that information Whereas if the commander is trying to be a fighting commander, uh, they will tend to uh, not know what the commander needs and, and really just beg the XO for information. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll go back to the um, TC6-0.2. Um, a lot of the uh, steps, which I can say, you know, step one, conduct pre-combat inspections. Step two, identify command post characteristics. Step three, establish command post infrastructure. Four, determine CP survivability and sustainability. Five, conduct command post rehearsal. And then six, finally, conduct command post certification. We're seeing those happen in the first or even the second battle periods. Okay. When they're absolutely feasible for those things to happen at home. Um, if they happen at home station, that gives you a chance to nail down your battle rhythm and enforce it. Uh, to nail down the TTPs that work for your commander and your command post in terms of battle tracking. Who's managing the cop? Who's updating the products that are scattered around the main command post? Um, and then, of course, rehearsing and executing your battle drills, such as your two-minute drills, your react to IDF, um, and how to clear ground. And then, of course, jumping the main command post, whether that's a planned jump or an unplanned jump. Perfect. And you actually segue to the final point, which I do not want to leave this table without talking about, is that was, is planning and maneuvering that main command post. So uh, 30, I'll go ahead and let you uh, go ahead and give the NTC community your thoughts on trends and reversing those trends. Okay, sir. So uh, we, we've recently seen a huge push for command posts being survivable. So I, I want to start off by saying that uh, because you have to understand what the, uh, the potential uh, enemy contact is going to be when you are jumping your main command post. Uh, so with that being said, you have to understand, am I going to jump to this location in a red configuration, amber configuration, or a green configuration? Uh, and, and with that, you also have to understand what systems are available with that. So if you are jumping closer to the flot, you don't want to be setting up in a full green because then the enemy can see you uh, on, on every form of the spectrum, uh, both visually and uh, on the electromagnetic spectrum. 
so you you don't want to uh, go in there blind. You want to have those rehearsed. You want to have your commander understand what systems are going to be in place based off of what configuration you're in. Uh, so they can understand uh, what the main command post is going to be able to do for them uh, at that point in time. Uh, with that also being said, you should be rehearsing uh, what the mobile command group is in charge of while the main uh, the main command post is in the process of jumping. There should be a very deliberate handover, almost like a two-minute drill for the commander and whoever is with the commander to understand the current situation on the battlefield. So they should be handing everything to the commander for the commander to take control for that four to five hours while the main command post is tearing down, jumping, and reestablishing. Is, is the staff... Are they stopping work as they are jumping? Uh, so there, there's going to be tiers of stopping work. There should be uh, at least one person who is continuing to work while the teardown process is happening. This way, uh, there's still that, that touch point with brigade from each staff section. Um, and then as the jump starts, uh, if you have a JBCP, you can continue that conversation on the move. Uh, but it's really unit dependent on what systems they have in the fight at that time. Exactly. Yes. And one thing I've learned as a former S3 is that, hey, you know, you, the commander needs to know what he is comfortable with in fighting, how he's going to, how she or she is going to fight uh, in that mobile command group. Who do I need to bring? What products do I need to bring? Because decisions are being made as, as we're trying to execute off the sync mat executing frag rows, et cetera. We see countless units come, come to DC. There are many different ways of doing it. Um, and the key thing is to make sure that they have those things rehearsed because we focus a lot on the main CP, which is what the focus of this podcast of today. But you bring up a good point that when that MCP is tearing down and you already have your plan location, you already have your plan, your primary alternate locations along with your line of sight already taken care of, um, that mobile command group, they're, they're, they're now the talk. They are making decisions. Excuse me. They're now the MCP. They are now making decisions. They're talking to brigade. You know, there's a lot of efforts and behind it that that units need to think through because it's not just more than just uh, the S3 or the battalion commander on, on the micro on, on the mic. They actually have to make sure they have the S2 rep, a fires rep, somebody there to ensure that that synchronization matrix, that DSM, all those things are being executed, and somebody like you said is reaching back to brigade. And that's where the MCP can still help in the fact that, hey, we can still reach back to provide that more analysis. Um, because, again, once you're in that vehicle, it's tunnel vision. And when that tunnel vision happens, um, there's a lot of things on the periphery that, that can be lost. Tanner, you have any thoughts? Yeah, absolutely, sir. And what 30 was saying uh, hits kind of the nail on the head because out here, time is your money. Um, all of the factors that go into jumping a main command post impact the staff's ability to continue planning. So staffs, just like we expect companies to provide some bottom-up refinement and company-level graphics and direct fire control measures to battalion, battalion can do the same thing through their LNO at brigade. Um, so leverage that LNO and empower him or her to know the commander's intent and bring what the battalion and how the battalion wants to fight up to brigade so that that LNO can be in the planner's ear and you're making the best use of best use of your time, um, and that'll pay dividends when the companies are conducting their own parallel planning and getting after rehearsals instead of sitting around waiting for a perfect plan to come down from battalion, because you don't have time for that. 
Exactly. Exactly. Gentlemen, this is really great. Um, so before I wrap around for alibis here, two more final questions here. So one, uh, what can units do now to maximize their preparation at home station? All right, sir. Uh, from the signal community, uh, I think you absolutely should be looking uh, at validating all of your, your mission command systems. And that includes uh, pulling in your S2 and your fires team to make sure that they are also tying into your systems. Uh, this could potentially be up to a, a 120-day process. Uh, so you really got to backdate and start planning the validation of all systems uh, because if you do run into issues, you need to have that time to be able to troubleshoot and ultimately end with a, uh, a TOCX so that you can refine your processes within the, the main and then refine those SOPs based off of what you found in your in your TOCX and then roll into potentially a second TOCX just to revalidate the changes in your SOPs. Okay. And from the S3 and Battle Captain perspective, Really, it comes down to rehearsals. Rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Uh, rehearse everything from setting up and jumping the main uh, to react to IDF and counter UAS, two-minute drills, react to Seaburn, uh, everything from that to the MDMP process. Um, if you make these things a battle drill at home station, they'll be second nature by the time you reach the desert. Okay, perfect. Any other final thoughts? Uh, sir, I just want to throw out a couple of uh, doctrinal references uh, that the listeners can potentially dig into. Uh, so first is ATP 6-0.5, uh, dated March 17, uh, Command Post Organization and Operations. Great tool for you to see what the function of the main command post should be and uh, potentially how to utilize it. Uh, ADP 6-0, dated July 19, Mission Command, uh, Command and Control of Army Forces. Uh, just another really good tool, uh, and obviously it's newer, uh, so it could potentially have some uh, updates to the previous. Uh, TC 6-02.1 dated July 19. Uh, Signal Corps 2019 training strategy. That is a great tool for you to understand the signal gunnery tables to uh, have all your systems uh, and your crews uh, certified prior to coming to NTC. And finally, the one that uh, 3A has been referencing quite a bit, TC 6-0.2 dated July 19. Training the Mission Command Warfighting Function for Battalion and Brigades, specifically for the battalions. Uh, chapter one is going to make you all of your money. So as for my closing thoughts, I really appreciate the audience uh, to come across this amazing podcast here. And I really want to thank Captain Rivetta and as well as uh, Captain Dieppe. As always, our observer coach trainers are here to assist units. I invite you to look at our mill suite page for the latest products from Operations Group and subscribe to our Operations Group Tech Talks on YouTube for short lessons on successful techniques. Thank you for listening to Thinking Inside the Box, The Gauntlet, the podcast of Operations Group at the National Training Center. Thank you.